Rahman Rahim, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuhu, and welcome to tonight's episode, season two, episode five on Let's Talk with Aima. Yours truly sat here, as always, ready, prepared to deliver and to give the best podcast content out there for our brothers and sisters to pass their time during this strenuous lockdown and this uh, very difficult and uh, unprecedented time that we are going through uh, the second lockdown so it's important that we understand what we're going through what it is and that we are here here to help here to benefit here to support here to educate here to inspire all of these and tonight's discussion is going to be on uh, striking a balance mean you know finding a balance uh, becoming a practicing Muslim, how to become practicing, how to increase or how to even get on this path. And that's important and crucial and key. And joining me tonight, I have the fans' favorite, uh, the Royal Rumble winner, the one and only <laughs> Imam. I'm joined by Imam Adil, the one and only. Let's get him on screen. Let's get him to say a few things before it comes back onto myself. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Brothers and sisters, hope and pray each and every one of you are well. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be back on the podcast after a mini hiatus, two episodes, I think, in between my last appearance. Uh, very well um, received, I think, episode three, mental health, was it, with Dr. Ismail? Dr. Ismail Luna, yeah, on mental and, uh, health. Mashallah, uh, a couple of days ago, you had. Uh, the very uh, amicable uh, Nasib Abbas, Allah Tabarakutala, bless him and preserve him in the work that they are doing. Uh, and then the following night, they raised just over a million pounds uh, for court. For the Swabi project where they're building a new premise for the orphans, yep. yep. So well done to the team, uh, Chaudhry Akhtar and uh, Nasib and the rest of them. So yeah, yeah it's good to be back. Uh, thanks for having us on again. Um, Looking forward to the discussion. And uh, yeah, it's transfer deadline day as well today. And uh, well, I think the transfer deadline stopped now, hasn't it? No? 11 o'clock, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Shock of the day is uh, Liverpool signing Ben Davies from Preston for £2 million, central defender. Yeah. But then again, I couldn't really care what Liverpool. Joe, you might as well split it. But uh, yeah. How are you? Thank you very much. Uh, I'm very well, Imam Adil. Thank you for asking. Um, just uh, another quiet day during the lockdown. Uh, you know, it's it's not easy. Um, trying to get with the madrasa closed as well. No kids coming to study at our institute. Uh, everything being online, uh, overseen and managed by yourself. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same. It's not easy. It is a difficult period. Um, and to top that off, obviously, it's um, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, man, we're living in such difficult testing times and, you know, let's get straight into it. People say, you know, we do drag it on a bit to uh, acquaintance ourselves uh, time and time again at the beginning of a podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fire this first question uh, to open a discussion with you uh, in relation to what's happening. Um, 
very relevant i believe very relevant why is it so difficult and obviously i'm sure you're listening very carefully and eagerly why is it and guys before i ask the question just remembered share like and subscribe to this podcast channel so if you can go and share it now if you've got a moment there's a share button share it onto your whatsapp groups share it onto your social medias and get young people to watch this because this one's about young people and generally people on how to become practicing or how to maintain and and being a practicing muslim what that entails so please share this uh, if you haven't subscribed subscribe and if you haven't liked then give us a thumbs up and let's get these uh, views up and viewers watching so they can benefit that's the only reason we want people to benefit the wider uh, community the wider scope of people it's a monday evening you know it's 9 uh, 17 pm as we speak so let's get this going all of these episodes are available on spotify let's talk with aima and also available on apple podcasts and google podcasts so if you're interested and you watch them then let's do that uh, and and get this going imam adil why why is it so difficult um why is it so difficult for muslims to become practicing in this day and age you know why is it that they struggle to maintain um equilibrium in their daily life and and finding a balance striking this balance why why is it difficult let's start with that question why do you think what do you think the reason is i think there's a number of reasons number of factors um which leads to this difficultness and uh, hardship in practicing uh, the deen um i think the first and most obvious one is the distractions around us um certainly in the 21st century you've got social media facebook instagram snapchat tiktok um you've got these um netflix and amazon prime i don't know what the term for them are uh, online streaming video that's the one um so channels channels yep you've got all these things you've got um living in the west especially uh, you know the the culture which has become the norm and a lot of our youngsters are accustomed to pre lockdown pre coronavirus covid-19 was going out and um socializing with youngsters with other brothers and sisters um be that going to restaurant uh or just generally um so a lot of distractions i think that's the first main reason and factor um for but it's not being difficult for many youngsters to practice well, in this day. Well, if we're looking at social media, it's only blown up in the last 20 years. It's only come into existence in the last 20 years. In the 90s there was no social media. You know, there was the internet, there was the computers, but the you know, mobile phones were just about making it big. You know, the mode of communication got easier, has gotten easier. Social media has allowed that even further to communicate and connect with people anywhere. with friends you may not see may not be in touch with etc so there's a lot of pros but 
it's, it's distracted us. It's taken a lot of our time. Social media plays a huge role in why we can't find balance in becoming a practicing Muslim. But in order to become practically, you know, in, in, in practice, not just in theory, we find that a lot of Muslims are Muslim in theory. They read the kalima and that's it. There's no, there's no further practice to or that. Muslim by name. You know, my name's Abid Khan. You know, my name's, you know, Aisha Ali. Whatever it may be. But there's, there's no reflection of that in, in terms of, well, how practical are you? So when we look at, like you, as, you, as you mentioned, there's, there's distractions out there which are leading to people lacking in practice of their faith. Yeah. I think the but, other, yeah, sorry. But obviously, you know, aside from just that, you know, reason, you know, it's social media. Yeah, you know, now smartphones are so sophisticated. The AI, the artificial intelligence within them, created within them, even tell you your weekly screen time, how much you've been, you know, weekly or daily on the mobile phone. You know, some people are 10, 11, 12, 13 hours on their phones. Oh. And then it breaks it down. What exactly? Is it WhatsApp? Is it, um, you know, Facebook. Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Is it Snapchat? It breaks it down for them. But then when we're saying to become a practicing Muslim, why are we allowing these things to distract us from praying? So if somebody asked you, define a practicing Muslim somebody who practically embodies Islam what would what would be the makeup of that person uh, certainly if, if it was a checklist um, it would be a case of that individual praying five times a day uh, fasting in the month of Ramadan giving their zakat and uh, any additional uh, charity and sadaqah they can give uh, on top of that I think uh, very high on the list is a person's character and conduct mm. the way we carry ourselves um, which is sometimes overlooked that we find brothers and sisters who are on the next stage and level after the one that you've just mentioned about we have some people and we generalize in this discussion this isn't to target fingers anyone. at anyone or target anyone the first level will be that some people are just Muslims by name the second level would be those who actually practice in the sense that they pray five times a day. Um, they attend the Juma. Or they're prayers. trying. Actually, you'd say the second stage would yeah. be that person who, who's Muslim by name, Muslim by family, by ethnicity, everything. It comes down to that. But they're there for the janazas, the Juma. They're doing their bit. Yeah. You know, they're not the most practic practicing there'll be people watching, they're not the most practicing. Hmm. So where they can fit a praying, they fit a praying. Where they keep their fast, they keep their fast. If they've got a minor excuse, they'll avoid fasting yeah. in a, any given excuse. So that's, that's level two. You can say that's level, two. that's not the most practicing, but is on the path. So if you want to there. go into the nitty gritty, then yeah, that's level two. Then level three would be those who are slightly further in that, who are a bit more consistent, keyword in all of this. Discussion uh, you know, or podcast is going to be the word consistency. Consistency yeah. in practicing and being steadfast in this, having istiqamat on this and being uh, conscious of the fact that if they do miss uh, one of these practices, one of these 
pillars of Islam, then it affects them. They're guilty. They have this remorse and well, regret. We can then now add into this the levels of nafs mm. within the Quran discussed. Allah Almighty mentions nafs uh, ammara bisu, nafsul ammarati bisu. You've got nafsul lawama, nafsul mutmainna, nafsul radiya, nafsul mm. mardiya, and you know nafs uh, which is the. So this discussion goes into. It, it, it ties in well yeah. with your. We can say effectively that if you want to know if someone is practicing, look and measure the state of where your nafs is. Mm. So somebody may ask the question, well, what is nafsul ammarati bisu? Nafs ammara is that nafs, the lower self. We're talking about the lower self or the ego, which is within every one of us. The, the you know, alter ego, as they say, loosely translated from the Western concept, the alter ego that you have, which every one of us has, which is an enemy to us as well, which is you know a fitna which Allah Almighty says that everyone has been created with the nafs, and that lower self of yours, which satisfies and is fed through desires, through whims, through evil, and the more bad you do, the more the lower nafs and the lower state is satisfied. So your nafs, your lower self tells you, go and sin, go and do wrong, go and commit zina, go and drink alcohol, go and light up a zoo and, and, and smoke some drugs. So within this, uh, this lower base and, and lowest level of the nafs, a lot of the influence of the shaitan uh, is on this and he's within that discussion of the distractions. Which is uh, one of the waswas. That he's an open enemy. Uh, everyone knows that verse um, so yeah uh, th that makes perfect sense when you tie the discussion in yeah he's Muslim she's still a Muslim yeah what what makes a person a Muslim is that he has faith in Allah Almighty he utters it with the tongue La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, and then he believes this he, he testifies and verifies this in his heart now, in order to... That's a, a person now is a Muslim. We're not saying that these people are not Muslims who commit you know, the major sins, minor sins. Because sins can be broken up into two. You have the kabair and you have the sagair. Major sins and minor sins. Yes. So if you commit a major sin, in order to uh, gain uh, redemption or forgiveness, you must do tawbah. It is necessary for you. And if you've done minor sins, then istighfar would suffice. So you, you've got somebody who is Muslim by name, but not by practice. And the lower self is always pushing them. The lower state is always pushing them to sin more. Go and do it. You know, sit with the boys, drink, smoke, you know, alcohol, uh, meet up women, do all, doing all of these things. That in itself is a state of somebody who's the lowest. Then you've got the second level, which is he prays a little, he doesn't pray a little. So he's not too uh, submissive to his lower self, his ego, his nafs. He's a bit better. He's in between the two. He's in between nafsul lawama. Mm. Lawma or lawama means what? Regret. So you have the nafs which when you do something wrong, the nafs says, why are you doing this? Don't do this. Avoid this. You know... You should be regretful and you know you should be remorseful about your actions. And then it tells you, look, go do tawbah, go do istighfar. The inner voice within you 
the lower self tells you this is not good. And then you've got Nafsul Mutma'inna. So you got Nafsul Ammara, Nafsul Lawama, and Nafsul Mutma'in. And when you're when you started to practice and you put all these core ingredients in to become a practicing person, so you started you're regularly praying your five daily prayers. You're not missing any, you're regularly praying five daily prayers. You're regularly or every day you're fasting in the month of Ramadan. You have wealth and you're giving your zakat, be that weekly, monthly, or yearly, once a year. You calculate it. Because you can calculate it weekly as well and you can calculate it monthly. But generally people do it once a year. So beginning of Ramadan, from then till the next Ramadan, they'll calculate their zakat and then they'll pay whatever's due. Or you've gone and done hajj and you're practicing, you're going to the masjid, you're a regular goer to a masjid. That person would be deemed as, mashallah, he's a practicing Muslim. Not just Muslim by name. And then the nafs, if, you doesn't, if he doesn't do it, the nafs would feel bad. So I, I just wanted to add this in, that you've got these, uh, this discussion as well, going hand in hand with the discussion of maintaining or becoming a practicing Muslim. How to practically better yourself. And this, this all ties into the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like you said, there's distractions, the shaitan. How big an enemy is he? A huge, huge enemy goes without saying. Allah Almighty time and again uh, mentions in the Quran that he is an open enemy uh, for the believers. Uh, and in light of the prophetic narration of the Prophet Wasallam, that shaitan runs through our veins uh, just as blood. So his influence is, 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 is massive. But compared to the nafs, and this very productive discussion you've just had of the different type of nufus uh, from the Quran, uh, shaitan has nothing on the nafs. Because what was it that actually led to shaitan's downfall? <laughs> it was his nafs. Yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. It was his arrogance, his takabur. And this is something we find, and again, it'll be tied into the discussion further down the line that uh, sometimes we're practicing. But our nafs is saying, yeah, yeah, because you're practicing, because you've got a beard, because you wear an imam ashri, because you've got a hijab, or you're covering yourself. So you look like the practical Muslim. Yep, and you go to the masjid. That gives us some level of False. superiority over others who are not so practicing. Then the reality is that you've not really benefited from what you're uh, practicing. Because the whole purpose of practicing Islam is to better yourselves. Practicing Islam equals bettering yourself. And a part of bettering yourselves is that you don't consider yourself superior to others. That you always consider yourself less, uh, be that in, uh, in ibadat, be that in terms of uh, you know, uh, sadaqat, what you give in the way of Allah Almighty. It's never enough. You know, this is why I always find it funny and we stopped it at the Green Gate Jamit Masjid last year in Oldham where every Friday and every uh, Jamit Masjid, I mean, we don't do it here at Al-Hikam, Alhamdulillah. But most of the Merkazi Masjids have the five, ten minutes ilans at Juma time. Flana Flana Banda is given 20 pounds. Flana Flana Banda is given 30 pounds. Well, again, okay, there is the wisdom of it uh, in, in the sense that if you're announcing what you're giving, uh, then you're encouraging others to give as well. 
Well, it's not really encouraging others when you're the guy who's always given every Friday, but you want your name being mentioned. You know mm. what I'm saying? So basically, you're saying that you can be a practicing person, yet you're defying the whole objective of worship and purpose of worship. Exactly. The purpose and objective of worshiping Allah Almighty is not to show off and boast that I am a practicing or I am a practicing Muslim, mm. you know, or looking down on others. So there's the spiritual element that ties into the discussion as well. So you've yeah. got you've got your nafs, you've got the shaitan, you've got social media, you've got these are all distractions and these yeah. are all struggles that you have. Then you've got within that your the nafs effectively ties in with being arrogant, yeah. being uh, cocky, being you know in in a, uh, a sense of ostentation. I'm better than him. Because I've got a beard, because I'm praying five times a day. And, and, in essence, and I go regularly to the masjid yeah. and I, I, I'm regularly giving charity. So I've already had this level of superiority over everyone else. And that in itself is destructive, mm. the most destructive. To consider yourself or to think of yourself to be better than the other, you're actually not a practicing Muslim then. Mm. You know, the example, there's two striking examples within the sunnah and within the hadith of the Prophet one of a prostitute who gives water to a dog. Famous narration. In the Bani Israel, that woman was from the Bani Israel, from the Jewish community before the time of the Prophet She was given paradise for that one action, yet she didn't have anything else to her name. If anything, she sold herself. And then on the other hand, you have the example of the woman who prayed fast and did everything right by the book, but deprived her domestic cat, her domestic pet, her, her animal, her cat, uh, by not giving it water. So you've got an example here. Yeah. You can be the most practicing, uh, in apparent terms, as you can and want. But if you neglect the rights, the rights of animals... And people. And the ulama write in the tashri' of these ahadiths that if these are the rights of animals and this is the reward for giving to animals, then imagine the rights of humans, Muslims, fellow humans and Muslims, and the reward of benefiting fellow humans and Muslims by doing good to them. If this is what Allah has uh, given to the woman who uh, gave uh, water to the dog or the one who deprived water from the cat, both examples striking. It's an animal that's the common denominator. It's not even humans. Mm. Telling you your prayers and everything are in its own place. And in the first narration, it's a prostitute. Someone who's frowned upon in society, but accepted in the court of Allah because of the act that she did. Yeah. So it's not you and me who judge whether a person is successful or we set the criteria and the benchmark because everything is on the apparent. It's ultimately Allah Almighty who will judge. Though sometimes that's used as an excuse. Yeah. If somebody's not praying, or who are you to judge? Only Allah will judge. Well, if that's your mentality, then good luck to you. Because if you want Allah to only be your judge, and He is Al-Adilu, the most just uh, in, in His, his judgment. judgments, Ahkamul Hakimin, then, uh, you know, good luck to you on the day of Qiyamah. You know, it, it baffles me when some people use that excuse. But the reality is, but people use that excuse thinking and assuming that, you know, oh, uh, 
well, only Allah can judge me. If I'm not praying, if I'm not fasting, who are you to? Maybe the person telling you to pray and fast is not telling you because they're judging you. They want, they want to better you and help you and assist you. True. So you need to look at how the person's coming across. Sometimes it's how we communicate. Communication is key. If we, you might be communicating a, a valid point in the wrong way, which happens. You know, we have it all the time. It's human nature. In families, within families, within brethren. You know, it can happen. You might have good intentions in what you're saying. But the recipient should not always resort to thinking, next man's judging me. Who are you to judge me? Why nobody's judging you. Relax. Why, why are you getting defensive? You're not being judged. We will leave judgment to Allah. And, and if, if it's Allah who you want your judgment to be done by, then like you said... You know, may Allah help you. Hmm. For if you was to be judged on your actions and not ask for Allah's mercy, then, you know, may Allah help you. Because it's Allah's mercy that we should all be asking for more than anything. Definitely. Oh Allah, through your mercy, forgive us. You know, please don't look at our actions. They're not even worthy. No. You know, how much, it, you know, there's that famous narration or story of the guy who wanted to go to paradise based on his amal, his actions, his... So Allah Almighty says, okay, I'll judge you on your eyes. See how much you've done. His eyes didn't even get him close to paradise. So Allah Almighty judged his limbs. And simply all he should have said is, Ya Allah, I don't matter how much I've prayed, how much I fasted. That was for me to you. I've done it for your pleasure, for your sake. I, please judge me through your mercy and grant me paradise through your rahmah. birahmatihi you know, ask for Allah's mercy. Always ask for the mercy of Allah. Don't, don't be in this state that, and don't think next man's judging you or, you know, go under this defensive. We shouldn't get defensive about these things. We should be thinking, you know, he may be encouraging me to be better and then to use that excuse. And we shouldn't use the story of the prostitute as an example of, well, look, I don't need to pray all my life then either. This proves that if you don't pray, you don't fast nothing, you can just do one good deed and that will, not necessarily. This was khas rahmat of Allah on this woman. That's what this example of this story is. Don't take it out of context. And it's also telling you the rights of animals, but that if you fulfill their rights, etc. It reminds many... me of the narration in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, just to uh, take the discussion slightly further. And we've talked about the rights of animals and how rewarding it would be uh, if you just were to parallel that to the rights of humans, and then there is that narration where a woman would uh, fast during the days and pray during the nights, uh, the definition of a practicing Muslim during the time of the Prophet. But she would hurl abuse at her neighbors, she would insult her neighbors, mm. she would not fulfill the rights of the neighbors. And the neighbors tolerated it for a few weeks, months, uh, Allah knows best. But one day they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Habib Allah ﷺ. This woman, uh, she prays uh, during the night and she fasts during the day. And we're not just talking about Ramadan here, we're talking about the next level. The voluntary, uh, uh, so the she's voluntary more than practicing. Fast, she's you know, deep, you know. And, and we're talking about the Nawafil, Qiyamul Layl or Tahajjud prayers during the night uh, on top of her fara'id. But because, and they said, Ya Rasulullah, she doesn't fulfill our rights. She insults us, she swears at us. The Prophet ﷺ heard this 
and delivered his verdict and said there is no good in her and her place will be in the fires of Jahannam. So this is why when Allah Almighty says in Surah Al-Anqabut, that establish the prayer, indeed the prayer saves you from evil and indecency. So from this we understand in light of this verse of the Quran or the Jews of the ayat that the philosophy of being a practicing Muslim and in this example uh, that Allah Almighty mentions is that of prayer is that if you're practicing it should keep you away from indecency. It should keep you away from doing wrong and evil. Uh, and some people sadly and unfortunately use the guise uh, or a more easy word the disguise of uh, being a practicing Muslim, and again generalizing here without pointing fingers at it, because it's uh, becoming a common uh, norm and an accepted uh, norm within our communities to a certain extent, that people know that he's practicing, but at the same time he's selling drugs. Mm. Uh, that he's practicing, but at the same time he's involved in uh, insurance fraud, for example, or other uh, wrongs and evils and indecencies. So this is why it's, it's absolutely paramount that we understand the whole purpose of uh, being a practicing Muslim. Yes, it's uh, making sure that your outward actions are, uh, you know, you're doing justice to the name that you have. It reminds me, but what of Sayyidina Umar Farooq, either change your name or change your ways. Uh, without going into the full vaqiya, change mm. your name or change your ways. Uh, so it's about getting your actions, your outward actions right. Uh, and also, more importantly, about getting the inward state uh, right as well. And that's something we need to reflect and, upon. And we've we got to... Um, well, in this example, she was practicing. Yeah. But why didn't her prayers allow her, you know, stop her from doing this form of, in, you know, indecency and evil, meaning... She's praying and fasting. She's doing everything. But yet her character still not changed. Which tells you that prayer is focused primarily on your physical being. It's a physical act. It's an, a physical action. Not only physical, it is also spiritual. If you was to do it properly, it would spiritually correct you as well. But the character still hadn't changed. So you, you can't just look at it from the perspective of I'm practicing, I pray on that, but my character, you know what, I don't care, I'm going to still swear and I'm going to backbite, I'm going to lie, I'm going to do everything. You've got you've to focus on both inner and outer states. And this is what tasawwuf is. This is what spirituality is. This is what uh, Sufism, uh, the term which is used uh, in the 21st century to uh, illustrate and, 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 and uh, you know, encompass spirituality, Sufism, this is what it teaches, right? Uh, you pick up the likes of Kashful Mahjub and other books of the Sawwaf and when the great uh, Gnostics and the great men of Allah Almighty in the early uh, generations, in the earlier generations from the Salaf al-Saliheen were asked, uh, like uh, Data Sahib mentioned, the example of Imam Junaid Baghdadi, rahmatullahi ta'ala when he was asked, what is the Sawwaf? What is spirituality? And they didn't say that spirituality is praying five times a day. They didn't say that spirituality is performing Hajj every year. And gloating about it to people. Uh, but rather they said the spirituality is uh, that you... Husnul khuluq. Uh, husnul khuluq. Uh, that you become a true embodiment of the character of... Khalikin nasa bi khuluqin hasan. You uh, know, treat people 
with good good character right. and treat people how you want to be treated and you know and your spiritual state in order to improve that it's to do with your character primarily so to to focus on your character to become a better person you know and when we say a better person personality when we say what's that person's personality like well the person within the personality is what you would look at mm. so you, your personality is, is is very kind very generous very soft very you know humble very uh, compassionate these are his this is his personality but then does that reflect him as a person or does his person reflect his personality mm. that's what we need to look at because we're talking about the uh, human we're talking about the muslim person here and the personality both go hand in hand so it's not when we when discussing becoming a practicing muslim it's not or how to become a practicing muslim or to how to maintain that we can't just focus on like people will put up their prayer mats on social media mm. they'll put up their tasbihs they'll put up you know these great quotes of rumi and all these things and you you're selling to people i'm a really practicing guy here look at me man you know i'm a really practicing woman here I, i how am i not practicing i wear a hijab merely wearing the hijab does not make you practicing merely keeping and growing a beard does not make you practicing merely just fasting and praying will not make you practicing merely having good character and not fasting and praying will not make you practicing there's got to be a balance there's got to it's it's a wide spectrum mm. That's why Islam's a way of life. If Islam was just about prayer and fasting and it was just about your practical between you and Allah, then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would not have been sent for li'tammima maqarim al-akhlaq. I was sent to perfect noble character. Mm. The mission was to help people to become better people. And then the foundation of all of this Islam, ihsan, the two eyes out of the three we mentioned. But the foundation of all of this is iman which is a qaid and that is having the correct beliefs uh, so if someone is practicing but their beliefs are not correct mm. you know they don't hold the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in that high uh, esteem and regard and esteem with uh, adab and reverence when mentioned the highest. Is, uh, uh, you know uh, and yes the highest is some tafdeel here the highest uh, and baqaida the sahaba ikram ahlul bayt yathar awliyae kamilin pakani ummat and ultimately uh, what we believe regarding allah almighty jalla wa'ala and all of these things that we study in creed each in uh, creed and aqaid uh, and uh, in in doctrine if that isn't there then yes you could be practicing in the sense that you're praying five times a day but if your beliefs and your aqida is corrupt and it's uh, it's not uh, you know it's it's like the example that i give often of a water bottle I'm not sure if it's coming up on the screen there we go on this hand. Yes, a water bottle. If in this water bottle one drop of blood or one drop of urine impurity uh, yeah. was to enter uh, najasa then the whole water would become impure. Yes, you wouldn't drink it. It's not fit for consumption. It's not fit for a ritual purity. In the same way our heart is like this bottle. Yeah, our heart is pure. But if we contaminate our heart with something impure in terms of belief, in terms of etiquette, uh, we have people sadly and unfortunately who have some sort of malice towards uh, a Sahabi of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, bil khusus Sayyiduna Amin Muawiyah, Rabbi Allahu Taala anhu, or as we've seen over the last several weeks and months uh, from certain individuals, without going into 
the nitty gritty who is trickinal hell bent on maadallah the propaganda and campaign against afdalul bashar ba'dalambiya bit tahqiq sayyiduna abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and then insulting azwaj mutahharat you know again batore ishara because i've been asked to be on my best behavior today no so. we'll, we'll we'll have a, a podcast on sex yeah. and and we we will openly mention this yes you know i, I understand your point and you're elaborating in in that sense because that's your key field this is a field you speak in regularly but meaning that your aqaid has to be as on par as you as correct and as proper as your character mm-hmm. as your practical as your you know uh, struggle against you know nahi anil munkar and amr bil ma'ruf all of this is encompassed within that that's what you're saying within the narration that you've obviously studied hadith of jibril uh, which is what we we effectively we're teaching to. yeah but in in, in without without way. even uh-huh. uh, going into it or even mentioning that yeah but i mean this leads me to another point which is my opinion and my view i believe that we we find ourselves in a time now as generally sunni muslims as general muslims that you have some who focus too much on the political injustices you have others who are focusing too much on creedal matters you have others focusing too much on um practical that oh you've got to go and pray you've got to fast you know we need to get people to become practical muslims practicing muslims right and and i feel that we're becoming very extreme within our thoughts in this regard and in order to change that my opinion my belief is that we need to create balance and be more rounded yes when the time to emphasize the importance of creed comes emphasize that the time comes to emphasize the importance of prayer emphasize that the time comes to emphasize the importance of character emphasize that meaning we shouldn't all be focusing on just one thing so if in in, in the subcontinent the big issue is you know khata khata ijtihadi or you know ma'soom or ghair ma'soom or mahfuz and all these terminologies that that becomes now then the primary priority and norm for example that everyone hey that's all it is that's the discussion that's the headline mm. and people then the same people debating this and discussing this the layman i'm talking about they've neglected their prayers they don't even pray the salahs then you've got others who i've got wait, no wait, so just to just to inter, inter interest in any of this and then go into just prayer prayer brother mm. grow your bread brother we're going to go on jamaat we're going to do this we're going to go do this we're going to do it's all about prayer they just focus on the physical and the apparent the practical the the outer self then you sit with some charlatans and the the uh, pseudo sufis and they will sell you the dream that it's all about the inner self you know it's all about fixing your ruh and mm. and sorting your nafs out and and tazkiyatul qalb and tazkiyatul nafs and that, that's all it is and you sit with each of them and you think this is their life this is their life this is their life but as a general muslim and this is for the general masses they should be rounded and they should be interested in every aspect mm. on how to become better how to uh, maintain good creed maintain practice within islam etc um, this is my advice would be that find the balance 
Find a balance in imbalanced times. MashaAllah. Beautiful quote. Strike balance in these such difficult times, man. People are not, they're, not, they're struggling. Mm. You know, if prayer is something you want to focus on, focus on that. Your, your ilm, ta'aleem, seek knowledge and putting all of that, then you would then find yourself to become a better practicing Muslim. Mm. That's, I mean, that's my take on it. I, mean, I think people, yes, we have experts who are focusing on that. I mean, doesn't Allah Almighty in the Quran, uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, in Surah Tawbah, Allah Almighty talks about this. You know, about the groups within the Sahaba. That if all of them went out to do jihad mm. and fight, who would teach the ummah? Exactly. Who would pass on the knowledge? And if all of them went on to teach knowledge, who would go and fight in the battlefield to spread Islam? Everyone has their duty and responsibility. Um, going back to that point that you were saying, and obviously you're in a flow, so apologies for trying to interject. I, I think that particular issue uh, regarding what's happening in the Indian subcontinent, in Pakistan, amongst our ulama, uh, is an issue that should have stayed amongst the ulama and because it's become a, a public slanging match uh, between uh, one camp and the other absolutely that's what's then fueled and led to uh, our it's spilling out into the general masses lay people who yeah but imam Adil, there's so many issues yeah. that have started within the ulama circle and then it goes out and that is our fault isn't it this is where we failed i think We've allowed the awam to take the seat of the ulama and the ulama are respected like the awam then. Mm. And I, I just think they don't deal with this practically or, or properly. With wisdom. You know, the, the elders are out there. I'm not going to say we, we can teach them better how to deal with these things. But isn't the whole point of Islam to avoid fitna? Isn't the objective to avoid and mischief then, and problem within the community of Ummah? This is then what leads to a lot of Muslims, uh, youngsters in particular, leaving Islam altogether. Let's not just say leaving Ahli Sunnati wal Jama'ah. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be a Wahhabi or a Diobandi, uh, you know, whatever it is. But leaving Islam altogether, I've shared this statistic a number of times. And mashallah, it's a uh, you know, fantastic platform. You have close to 150 brothers and sisters watching at this moment in time. 2018 statistic here in the UK where 10,000 Muslims left Islam in that year. MCB, yes, their statistics. 10,000 Muslims left Islam in the year 2018. And we are partially to blame for that because we wash our dirty laundry, figuratively speaking, in the public. We don't deal with these matters professionally be that the Eid issue be that Ramadan issue be that you know scholarly issues and debates amongst the ulama, be that dealing with uh, issues amongst the ulama and being wise in that approach you know we are correcting someone in many ways There's, we are we culpable just... and responsible to a certain extent uh, to some if not many individuals leaving Islam altogether uh, or in light of a discussion that we had a couple of podcasts ago, the role of the Imam in the 21st century, uh, when somebody approaches the Imam because he's not, as you said, all-rounder, Imam Sahib only knows how to preach about praying properly and doing wudu properly, but he doesn't know what's going on around the world, or he doesn't know about how to uh, challenge uh, atheism and, and, and answer questions regarding the oneness of Allah Almighty and these problematic issues that some youngsters 
do delve into because evidence and proof yeah because to the existence of allah social media and the internet out there there's so much rubbish there's so much junk out there universities colleges they're all influenced all part of the opening point that's out there all part of the opening point that i was illustrating distractions and because our ulama are not playing that role uh, as they should this is then effectively i'm not saying it's the only reason but one of the reasons one of the factors why uh, many people are now leaving islam uh, altogether so on one hand we have islam the fastest growing religion in the world but also know that it's one of the fastest decreasing religions uh, in the world as well i, I remember honorable qibla mufti hassan azasab hafizahullah ta'ala once shared that statistic uh, one of these uh, muslim countries in africa mali i think it was uh, that around 20 years ago because we uh, had this conversation during the ittikaf years it's been about 15 years since them days alhamdulillah so around 20 years ago they said mali if i'm not mistaken one of them muslim countries in africa the muslim population was around 90% and because uh, you know uh, you've been to malawi you've been to uh, south africa in africa you know the situation and climate is very different uh, number one on the list there is about food survival. priorities about survival you know uh, and and getting provisions and because we haven't gone out there and done work i'm just giving a general example some have gone out there and christian missionaries qadianis even you know and they've gone out there and they've done the work uh, and sadly unfortunately because them individuals were reliant and dependent on survival and anything that leads to that i.e. food and uh, and provisions so on and so it led to a country which are 90% muslim population in a in a matter of a few decades if that uh, their population in terms of muslim uh, representation went down to less than 50% yeah and the reason we have to well, there's a number of reason in africa obviously the missionary work yeah. kadianis do the christians do christian missionaries etc is a factor in that but in general why do we find in terms of young people within this country you know disassociating themselves with is from islam many have or many are there are people when i say many i don't mean many as in every in 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 its every sense many that you find people youngsters who probably aren't practicing and aren't religious and aren't on the deen and don't have any interest in that whatsoever and because of that they they are leaving and we don't even know that they probably don't tell their parents at home but they've left islam you know there's there's documentaries i've seen on ex-muslims there's actually a council of ex-muslims british council of ex-muslims if i'm not mistaken there's a council made down south in london and over half a million members wow. of non-muslims they said we're not muslim no one man we're not interested in this medieval and religion we're not interested in this backward religion we're not interested in this village mentality and you know the way and and the way islam forces you and why because of experiences during the childhood because of not getting questions that they had answered because of Forced the fitans the marriage issues all of this they've blamed well is this what your islam teaches you if this is what your islam teaches you then you know what i don't want to be part of this because i'm in a country where it doesn't it allows you such freedom and you are oppressing us oppressing us by forcing us to wear the hijab and stuff like that and these are challenges we as muslims here in the west are facing but what i'm saying is we've got some who are too focused on other things 
the two focus on you know not the most primary secondary creedal matters mm. focused on other issues when that shouldn't be the prior as the awam the general public we should be giving them a general message in an rounded message in many ways shapes or form and then the specifics there's people dealing in specific departments and categories which are experts within that be that creedal be that you know uh, uh, politics or be that in terms of sports or in terms of religious matters or religious affairs or muamalat you know day to day dealings you know the mufti's job is to do the day to day dealings in terms of divorce marriage will mirath all of these things this is what a mufti would do so we what i'm saying is that we need to find balance the ulama need to find balance and the awam and general public need to find balance and not become extreme ifrat and tafrit hmm. too extreme right wing or left wing islam is not right wing islam is not left wing islam is not ifrat and it's not tafrit it's not extreme it's the islam is the moderate way was the verse in the opening of the second part is it waj'alna ummatan wasata that we have made you the the moderate nation the ummat wasat wasat meaning the middle and you know finding wasat that means balance. middle and it's mean we are the, you are the moderate middle nation yeah. you are not like the jews and you are not like the christians you are not like the shia and you are not like the salafi that's the reality of it mm. shia is extreme to one sense you have kharijis rafidis one sense you have raf uh, your kharijis another sense and nasabis you have the salafia one sense you got tablighi um, when not that islam is the religion the ahl sunnah is the way of moderation this is the key what i'm saying is we need to come back to this definition of we need to be moderate moderate in prayer moderate in, in terms of matters of creed in delivery in all of these issues we need to have and find moderation balance because if we lose that we will lose people That's my understanding of things. Khairul Amuri Ausatuha, best actions are those done in moderation. Mm. I think that's one aspect of the discussion. Uh, certainly, another aspect of it that comes to mind is that on a grassroots, uh, ground level um, discussion is within our homes. There's always this argument uh, and this uh, debate and discussion between culture and religion. culture versus religion yeah so much so that if somebody does start practicing uh, their religion uh, within a cultural family uh, he, you know he's uh, ostracized deemed and he's deemed a bit of extremist or molvi sahab or sufi sahab or whatever it may be uh, and we find this constant clash certainly it was the case in the 80s and 90s when our forefathers uh, first and second generation came to this country they weren't willing to let go of them cultural norms and practices from the indian subcontinent and really brought them in you know this mindset what you're talking yeah. about is, is there's, there's some muslims you're a muslim but your your mindset is a cultural mindset i know people who are hajis they do everything but their mindset is cultural yeah then you find some muslims who might be practicing or not practicing muslim though but liberal mindset liberal western mindset you know secular mindset you it's it's mindsets end the day what sort of mindset are you like we can say about us we are of a religious mindset because we've studied we're studying this is our line of work you know in our family 
we have a very religious mindset and elements of cultural mindset within that and elements of quite balanced not too extreme in anything that's how we've always deemed ourselves to be quite balanced in that sense but then some families you'll find that when it comes to important matters like religion uh, not religion sorry marriage in these issues their mindset is cultural it's not religious they don't they don't um uh, they don't um deal with matters of marriage for example with a religious mindset they'll go down the cultural route yet they're the most practicing people so it's changing mindsets it's how you change your mindset what your outlook and the way you think you know some will be liberal they're practicing but then the women will be wearing the most immodest clothing mm. on the day of the wedding we really think well i are you practicing or are you it don't make sense what sort of mindset do you hold mm. so you've got to look at the mindset of people or could you know in that liberal way you know they've got where the belly buttons are showing they've got saris on and all sorts mm. and the the shoulders are showing and but the heads are covered but the the head is covered for example mm. it just doesn't make sense like you've got a crisis here lad you know sister there's a problem here you 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 you're stuck you need to find yourself and put yourself somewhere because you can't be a mix i think we've always had them uh, you know uh, concerns and there is always been a discussion and certainly over the last 5 to 10 years one of the topics you've uh, actively spoken on and i've spoken on a few times as well is identity crisis you know it, it's led uh, a lot of youngsters uh, you know this identity crisis confusion. Has, has led them away from the religion it's led to confusion it's led to them not really knowing what they are be that in terms of i'tiqad be that in terms of the discussion we're having uh, culture versus religion mindset you know and and these mindsets that are created within our homes within our families within our community at large so at the end of the day it is uh, something to reflect and ponder on um but you know it, it's not going to happen overnight uh, we've seen that from the first generation a lot of them mindsets continued in the second and third generation mm. we still see that today with some of our um, parents you know because of their mindset their outlook on things you know we we have these discussions uh, actively within our own family circle uh, you know and it's always this culture versus religion argument um and if you use the religion card otu bara morvi aa gaya you know because there's still some element of the culture pu- pulling them back but that's maybe a, a, an element of lack of knowledge maybe an element of choosing not to adapt mm. and move with the time there's there's a number of factors True. understanding that but the general point of tonight's discussion is that we need to find balance moderation and balance in this and and it's important that we we do that it's important that we understand that and that's reflected then in how we think people watching this should be thinking well okay it makes sense this should be making sense that you know i can't be extreme there cannot be ifrat and tafrid there can't be this extreme in my creed there can't be this extreme in my practice uh, in my practice there can't be this extreme in my character you know you've got to find moderation balance and and compromise within this 
you know, justified compromise, not unjustified compromise. I'm not saying that now all of a sudden you, you become, you know, justified compromise with a Rafazi who sits and swears and curses Sayyidina Aisha or, or the Sheikhain or Sayyidina Uthman or the companions, may Allah be pleased with them. Or you find another extremist who, who sits, you know, Nasibi or a Khariji who sits and disrespects and dishonors the Ahlul Bayt and Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Fatima. No, we're not compromising with them. We're saying in terms of you and what you believe, the moderation. We've made you the moderate nation. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why you are, you know, you are the best ummah. There's a reason why the nation of the Prophet is the best nation, the best civilization. Because they are moderate, they are balanced in their lives. They are not extreme. The Jews were extreme. The Christians were extreme. They were both extreme. One was killing the prophets. The other ones made their prophet a god. They, they, they shared divinity. They're extreme. We're not that. That's not the way of, of Islam. That's not the way of the Ahlul Sunnah. The, the best and most accurate interpretation of Islam. The Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So we need to understand that. That it's important for each and every one of us. In many ways, shapes and forms. That we understand and find and strike a balance in everything. Which brings me to the next point that how then would you find a balance if you're living in the West where we are, where you the traditional day, you know, a day in, uh, in the life of a Muslim would be, I work eight, eight hours a day, I've got kids, I've got a mortgage, I've got, uh, you know, a family, I've got extended family. How do I find balance in all, how do I maintain that balance and and then bring Islam into that. How do I bring a session of dhikr into this? How do I bring, you know, um, my daily prayers within this? How do how do I so, so how do how do they do that? Give practical solution in order to become a practicing Muslim, despite all the the, the struggles around us. I think one one way of doing this, and and certainly a practical way of striking this balance, is by putting a routine, uh, a timetable in place, you know, and maintaining what we have uh, gained, um, certainly in the month of Ramadan, Ramadan is a prime example that Absolutely. we're able to, and, and we're less than three months away, and Allah Almighty allows us to reach the month of Ramadan, you know, we, we find in Ramadan that uh, we're still working, we've still got the same uh, challenges that we uh, face in the other 11 months, but because of the blessings of Ramadan, we, we certainly uh, push ourselves to do more. We have that routine. We have that timetable in place. We stick to it. Be that the tilawat of the Quran that we do. Be that the five daily prayers and then Salatul Taraweeh in the evening uh, alongside Salatul Isha. Um, and, and similarly, you know, we find it very easy in Ramadan. So it's about replicating uh, and maintaining what we've gained in Ramadan uh, after Ramadan as well. This is why the Sahaba Ikaram would prepare for Ramadan six months in advance. Uh, and then the effects of Ramadan were such that the, uh, the athar of the blessed month of Ramadan would remain uh, six months after, there or thereabouts, yes. So I think the key in this is uh, practically put yourself uh, you know, put yourself. Uh, you can't just put yourself into a Ramadan mindset all the time. Ramadan comes in this day and age. It's it's quite difficult. Easy said that the Sahaba did this, etc. But, no, but we're talking uh, a, a prime example. Say, I was going to say the key word in that is preparation. 
what was the quote that Qibla Bizazab used to always share? That if you... He who fails to prepare, prepares to fail. Prepares to fail. You know, and, yeah. and that's, uh, I think, a, a lot of uh, the downfall in not sustaining and maintaining what we uh, are able to do on a daily basis is because of our lack yeah, of Yeah, but I think, Imam Adil, there's people out there who are working, studying. You know, you've got an 18-year-old, it's all about education. You've got a 28, 29-year-old, all about working and family. You've got a 58-year-old who doesn't have much work to do, a 68-year-old who's retired now, not working anything and towards the end of his life. There's people different phases and stages of life. How do you, My advice would be to one who wants to become practicing, that you take baby steps. If, you, if you're praying one prayer, try to pray the next one. If you're praying two, pray the third one. If you're praying three, pray the fourth one. Praying four, try to get five. Set yourself targets. So, so you're, you're doing that on a daily basis. You're actively trying to become a better person. Try that. Don't just say in your mind, don't just mentally stimulate yourself with that thought. Physically get up and do that and try that. You know, you've got to make it a priority. You've got to, and what, why, what do, you know, speeches on death and the grave, the whole point of them is, so that it stimulates you and, and activates you to go and become practicing. That's why people thrive off a clip on, well, that's what death does to you. Kafabil is and you don't need a speech. Death is the speech in itself. Death in itself is the biggest reminder and speech. You don't need a reminder from me or you or anything. Somebody dies in front of you, wake up call, boom. And, and for that reason, I just think for those who are wanting to practice, take a step. You know, take one step. With the intention of sincerity and with good intention, sincerely, and you'll see. And then at the same time, <coughs> you know, for those who are practicing, how do you incorporate that into your daily life? People, how do they incorporate? How do you incorporate? Why is it praying for you five times a day is easy? Because it's a priority. You know, you understand the ramifications if I don't pray. That Allah is going to punish that the difference between a believer and a non-believer is salah and tarkus salah. Ada'u salah wa tarkus salah. Praying prayer, leading, uh, performing prayer and missing prayer is the difference between a believer and a non-believer. These ahadith, all of them, when we put them together, they should lead a person towards encouraging him, encouraging him towards becoming a practicing person. And the problem we have today is we make excuses. We live in an era and a time of excuses. We, it's easy. Oh, I was at work. I didn't have lunch, so I couldn't pray. Yeah, everyone has the right to pray. Well, over the last 10 months with these lockdowns, it's, it's shown to us <laughs> that we are able to press the reset button. We are able to put routines in place. Uh, and like you said, take baby steps and, and, and become better uh, practicing Muslims. You know, it, it's possible. Um, and, and you're right, we certainly fall into the trap of the shaitan. By but it's priority excuses. though, Imam. I, I just believe that if, if Islam is your priority, priorities, yes. if Islam is your priority, if practicing, if, if Allah and the fear of Allah and the hope in Allah's mercy, and this is a priority, if religion is a priority in your life, you won't make excuses. You, your life, your, it's, I used to always say this quote, there's people who revolve prayer around their life, mm. And there's those that evolve their life around prayer. prayer. There's people, oh, if I can fit my prayer into my schedule, I'll do it. And then there's others who fit their schedule around the prayer. 
you know, it's, it's priority in the day. What, what was important to you? Is your akhirah important to you? Is your inner state and mental health well-being and physical well-being important to you? We, we don't hesitate to eat. As soon as we're hungry, we'll go to the fridge and get food out. We'll make, we'll get our wives to make. Mm. We'll order in. We're quick to survive physically. Go to the gym three, four, five times a week. For There's some football, you know, three, we'll have our sessions. Yeah, we can't seem to, you know, instill into our schedule. I'm going to go to my weekly dhikr gathering. That's my, you know, weekly dhikr. No, I'm not ticking a box, but you know what? It's it's enough to, you know, keep me going. I'll get my nasiha and wa'ad and reminder by the sheikh or the imam or maulana and, there. And, and recharge our batteries and spiritually get better. I'm going to go read my Jumu'ah. I'm, an, I'm not going to turn up. La at the last 10 minutes I'm actually going to turn up a bit earlier so I can listen to the speech and reminder and then I'm going to go to you know I'm going to read the prayer I'm going to meet people and go home I'm going to try to pray my salah in my local masjid our sisters you know primarily we talk about males on here being male ourselves you know for females the struggles of praying or fasting or don't people think well you know i'm gonna be wear the hijab and that's gonna why are you worried about wearing the hijab you can pray put the hijab on and then if if hijab is not for you right now then it's not for you you don't need to force hijab on your head you don't need to force a beard by point this is the the perception is we've restricted religious and practicing to appearance only mm. yeah allah doesn't look at that in allah Allah looks at your intentions, your hearts. He you don't look at your appearances. So people shouldn't use hijab as an excuse. The devil has his tricks. The deception of the devil, Talbisul Iblis is a book which I've spoken, I think last Juma or this Juma gone. It's a book in which we should all study and read, written by Muhaddith ibn al Jawzi, rahimahullah, where he talks about the deceptions and the tricks of the devil. And what does he do? He, when you sin, he tells you, you're not going to get forgiven, leave it. You do wrong, it, this is what he does. These are the ways and tricks of the devil. So we've got to find our way around all of that. I think a big part of it is obviously company. Absolutely, yeah. Friends that we have around us. Uh, and, you know, uh, Narration of the Prophet ﷺ mentioning Sharif uh, that the Prophet said a, a man, a person is upon the way, uh, the, the path and the religion of his friend. So be careful in the friends that you keep. Uh, keep. Uh, for the friends that you keep will either make you or break you. They'll define you, yeah. And they'll define you. And, and you know, one of your clips that's just gone viral last couple of days, uh, you know, what is friendship? You know, if, if your boys are those individuals who don't encourage you to come to the masjid and read Salah by Jama'at, or they don't remind you of the... Uh, Allah you know, and His mercy. and uh, Allah Almighty's mercy. And, and they still don't remind you of the Akhidah and, and, and death and generally give you good advice, good counsel, good guidance. Then what good are those friends? You know, and we've got to look at the friends that we have because they'll be the first row or the first few rows at our Salatul Janazah. And you know, there's so many brothers... Who are passing away and and we were fortunate that uh, we were there though unfortunate that he passed away at such uh, suddenly but we were there for our uh, friend uh, you know a couple of weeks ago marhum samir but rahmatullahi ta'ala allah almighty raises darajat but that epitomized 
uh, him what we're discussing because uh, the whole community within our bd8 or the, within this vicinity al hikam surrounding area. areas you know everyone pulled together I no, but it, it just it it just shows. Let, let's just just go into depth with just our brother Samir, for example. Mm. You know, Samir moved from London to Bradford. He'd been here what three years, maybe tops four years. His wife, his daughter, the, the daughters, they had come here. Who was his friends? Like he had friends within the political affiliation that he had. He had his gym friends. He had work-related friends, and then he had his masjid friends. As soon as the news broke out, I remember I stopped everything just to go there and see. His wife sadly was in Pakistan at the time. She was in Pakistan at the time. The daughters were there. How most of the daughters fell? I can't even imagine what they went through. Right. Then going there, you know, it was who? Khavar, Sabir, you know. Haji Nash. Haji Nash. Bilal, they came a bit after, but immediately it was Sabir mm. and 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 Khawar, these were the two and some others local that were right, his neighbors that were there when we look at Khawar and Sabr for example they are regular namazis here every day they i mean out of the five prayers aside from the days that they're working etc they most of the time they, one of them is muazzin here hmm. sabir does the adhan here he's from sudan my point is now samir has died his soul is there He's seeing everything. Imagine if Samir had drug dealers as friends. Mm. Imagine he had gamblers as friends. They wouldn't know what to do to him there. At that point. Yeah, we. I, I was his friend. You're his friend. There was others. I remember I, from A to Z, I was there. From beginning till end. All the way to taking the body. To, back to, to the London. point that, why? Now, that's friendship. That's why, I, that's why at that moment I cried when explaining that. Because... Mm. That's why I'm a friend to my boy. He's my brother, and that's the. If I die tomorrow, I would want righteous people around me, religious people. I'm not righteous. May Allah forgive me for all our sins, except. But practicing religious people who put the deen as priority, I'd want that person around me at that time. I wouldn't want one, no, no drug dealer around me. I wouldn't want no no fornicator or no no haram you know around me in that sense. Meaning. You should now define your company and ask yourself, well, tomorrow who's going to be stood there praying for me? Anyone's prayers can be accepted. But the man who is on the path of righteousness and virtue and goodness, more likely. there's more likely that Allah will accept his. Allah knows best. Allah knows best. Ultimately, Allah knows best. And it's through his mercy that we ask. But we, that's what we should do. We should look at, and Samir is a prime example. Mm-hmm. His friends were us. The masjid was his friend. You know, his janazah was done in the same masjid that he served in. He worked in, he helped out, he volunteered in. But why was that? Because it was his priority. He wanted to become more practicing. He wanted to help out the masjid. His heart was pure and good in that aspect. And that's what helps you ultimately in the end. And, you know, and this is just one example. Like Imam Adil's mentioned, and I like that saying, that you know your friends will be your first row on the day of your janazah and that do you want gangsters to stand there and say hey what those gangsters ain't gonna do dua for you man they'll remember you one day two days mm. fourth day they're all gone we are still sat here today remembering our brother samir 
Every Tuesday goes without saying making dua for Every, every Friday, Juma, I, I just can't compel myself. I can't help but compel myself to mentioning his name. There you go. Wallah, have mercy on Brother Samir Sol on that because I know what he did for us, how much he helped. And if we're making dua for him all the time and we're never going to forget him in our duas in this masjid, then imagine if, that, if today young people understood the power of being connected to Allah's house and making Islam and the deen a priority. That's my point. How do you make that a priority for yourself? This is what we're here for. How do you make the deen a priority? And ultimately, it's Allah's rahmah. Knowledge also plays a very important part in this. You know, we're living in times of ignorance. I've said this on, on, on previous podcasts. I've said this in Bayanat as well. Uh, that we've got to be careful where we take our knowledge from. Who we take our knowledge from. Yes, knowledge has got to be taken from people of authority. Like we've alluded to in uh, the earlier discussion, uh, you know, we are Ahli Sunnati Wal Jama'ah. We can't be taking knowledge from, from those deviants. people who are deviants, oh, heretics. Who, who are, uh, you know, Ahlul Bid'ah. And, and at the end of the day, uh, we have to seek knowledge, uh, make this a priority, at least study, uh, you know, the, the Fardul Ain, fundamentals. Uh, and the fundamentals and the basics of the deen. And again, you know, I'm not knocking anyone here because like, he told me to be nice. But if you can sit here and, and spend an hour and a half, two hours listening to a podcast, you know, long may they continue and you're doing and a fantastic... And the objective is inspiration and uh, benefit. It's, it's, it's a stepping stone. Benefit. It's yes. the stepping stone. Well, the next stepping stone will be what we're going to say now. My, my question is there's 142 people here. If we was to ask 142 that for... We want you to write a paragraph on Allah... His divine attributes. And what is the one, what's the most important attribute, the first attribute when studying Allah Jalla wa'ala and His attributes, what's the first one, Imam Adil? Wujud. The existence of Allah. Wajibul wujud. Allah's existence is necessary. Everything but Allah is mumkinul wujud. It's possible to exist. If Allah wants to bring into existence, He can. How many people can ab are able to say that much? Meaning, it's important for you to study Allah Almighty, Tawheed, Aqaid, Creed. Wahdaniya, Uluhiya, Rububiya, all these fundamentals of Itiqad, you know, you've got to study them. And then, if uh, just in the seed of the Prophet, yeah. Shalim, you know, if we was to ask you how many white hairs did Nabi have in their blessed beard, you know, the companions were that, had that much intricate detail of the Prophet Sallallahu physical makeup that they even counted how many blessed white hairs Nabi had that's one example if I'm not mistaken it's 21 in the hadith of Shama'il uh, al-Muhammadiyah at the same time you have or in one narration I think it was 18 then on, on the, at the same time you have a question within fiqh in relation to ghusl where is fard in ghusl wallahi you'll be surprised so many people who don't even know when it is fard to do ghusl <laughs> you know no never mind the fard of ghusl when, when it is yeah. fard to do ghusl there you go you know and it's not to put nobody down on here it's it's putting it in perspective it's to encourage you to say well you know what today i don't know but tomorrow i will know if i take this step to study MashaAllah, we, we had around uh, 30, 
Four brothers and sisters who completed the Foundation Islamic Studies course are in the process of marking the exams. Mashallah, one sister got 100 out of 100 in her exam. Oh, mashallah. Uh, the other sister who provided uh, the snacks, the for, snacks you. for, mashallah, the podcast. The podcast. Uh, sister Zuleikha from Oldham got 99 out of 100. You know, and these are those sisters and brothers. I asked them that before the exam, if you had sat the exam before the course, Sorry, after the exam, I asked them, if you had sat the exam before the course, would you have done well in the exam? And all of them, by their own admission, have said, Jawad, if you put the link on, please. Uh, Obviously, we, people are asking, this is the point where you need to... <laughs> yeah, be on the ball. Uh, you know, we, we Imam said we wouldn't have known. I'll tell you what, and I'll openly say this, and what you reviews, should do... The reviews have been fantastic, alhamdulillah. What you should do is do a questionnaire at the first day. Hmm. Before starting, say, right, everyone, you're going to take this mini exam. And then at the end of it, do the same exam. Yeah, we do that in some other courses, yeah. If you did that on this one, obviously, we designed the course yeah, and we yeah. do it. It'd be a very good, you know, measuring tool and yardstick to see how, how progress, students, to, in, yeah. in order to understand progress. But people don't know. They don't know the basics, man. They don't know about the Prophet They don't know about the seerah. They don't know about fiqh. They don't know about hadith. Like the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi, one of the hadith that I wanted to mention today was a man came to the Prophet and he said to Nabi alayhi if I was to just pray and fast and do the obligatories and I was to know what is halal and I was to know what is haram and to act upon the halal and abstain from the haram, will I enter Jannah? Will I go to paradise if I just did the basics of Islam? And the Prophet said, Qala, Naam, yes. This hadith is a hadith that will be taught on this course. Subhanallah. It's within the Arba'een of Imam al-Nawawi. Mm. Meaning that just praying, fasting, etc. could be your means to enter into paradise. It's sufficient to know what is halal and to know what is haram. And to uh, do what is halal and to abstain from what is haram, that is enough. This could get you to Jannah. But how would you know this if you don't sit in the classroom to study? At which point it's important for every one of us here, sat, that we, you know, make intention to join. And, you know, Imam Adil is going to be starting this course. 17th of February, uh, which is just a couple of weeks away. Today is the first. Uh, so two weeks on Wednesday, the course begins. Uh, I'm confident from the 33 brothers and sisters who have completed the Foundation Islamic Studies course. When I say complete, I mean they sat the exam and they've submitted the exam. Uh, I'm confident around 20 to 25 of them, brothers and sisters, will be continuing their studies. Because it's intermediate, don't be put off by that particular word. It's still very close to learning your foundations. It's just a case of doing more classical books like Al-Aqidat uh, Al-Tahawiyah, Nurul Ibah, which, mashallah, you are... Uh, abridging uh, and the book you just mentioned uh, Kitab al-Arba'een and Al-Shama'ilul Muhammadiyyah wal Khasa'isul Mustafawiyyah so these are uh, you know fundamental uh, foundational works that we teach be that in Darsinizami or be that generally uh, you'll find uh, in uh, you know available online etc so I, I would encourage brothers and sisters to join on this 90 minutes on a Wednesday evening 90 minutes on a Saturday evening. It's part-time, you know, twice a week for an hour and a half, three hours in total part-time. And part you won't regret it. 
and and you know it's available online it will be available on demand at the same time you don't need no prior qualifications no. there's no prior requirements prerequisites just con- commitment just and passion commitment to to studying it and making time to study make your intention maybe this is you know a stepping stone for you in this direction so knowledge is important company is important making islam and the religion a priority is important understanding the fitans and the challenges and the 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 enemies around you is very important having and striking a balance and moderation in everything you do is important all of this coupled together is what will lead to a person becoming a practicing muslim definitely this is what is needed khairul umuri awsatuha all of these ahadith that have been mentioned etc all contribute towards um towards doing this and it's important that we do this and it's important that we encourage people we ask people to join we ask people to study and learn about the deen similarly you know if you've got teenage sons and daughters we're starting a deen for teens course 24 week course with the greengate islamic college kamar uh, uh, learning academy they're starting some weekend classes as well if your kids uh, are 8 and above so alhamdulillah from the age of 8 all the way to uh, you know we've got one brother who sat the um, foundation islamic he's got cancer two actually one brother one sister both of them cancer patients mm. both of them completed the course and both of them have committed to doing the intermediate islamic course and wallahi uh, you know sometimes i'm you know my schedule you know i start in the morning uh, and those two individuals inspired me with this particular course and the brother elder is around 54 55 years old allah age is just a number what excuse do we have cancer patient or we brain cancer as well completed the full 30 weeks submitted his exam and made the commitment that he's going to do the intermediate and we know the reward uh, and the virtues and the blessings of that individual who's a student of knowledge and then was to leave this dunya while being yeah. a student yeah. of knowledge shaheed. that person reaches the rank of a shaheed sister sayyida she's a sayyida yes uh, and again cancer patient if i'm not mistaken or she's she's got some sort of terminal illness she submitted a paper did extremely well high 90s uh, in her results out of 100 and she's already committed to the intermediate islamic studies so brothers and sisters who are watching now what excuse do we have you know out of 168 hours in the week 3 hours 3 hours is all we're asking start the journey and many start the journey i mean we had 86 was it 87 who signed up for the foundation islamic studies course last lockdown yeah you know just after ramadan 17th of june we started but only these selected 33 34 completed the journey why because they were sincere and part of being a practicing muslim is being sincere you know some people we see that for a few days they're on it yep. like a car bonnet yes yeah. and then they have what we refer to in the in the in the field a salafi burnout yes yani they're doing tahajjud and they're doing ishraq and they're doing extreme uh, they're going and, and they're really they're on it they got a lot of energy the burst of energy but they can't maintain it they're not consistent they're not regular they're not steadfast 
Uh, and the same goes for seeking knowledge as well. So many of our students want more, want more, but because of their commitment, because of their responsibilities, it's not practical sometimes. Mm. We were fortunate, we did our studies, we were, you know, we had no marriage then, we had no commitments, you know, mom and dad, alhamdulillah, you know, when you went to study, I was there, uh, when, you know, I went to study, you were there for them. So we were fortunate in that sense, but not everyone has that opportunity. So this is uh, an ideal opportunity for brothers and sisters out there. If you want to study the deen, you want to get closer to Allah, you want to become practicing, then you've got to become a student of knowledge and Al-Hikam courses, along with many other uh, credible uh, courses that are out there. We're not here just marketing our own. If you can find those who are of the Ahl Sunnati wal Jamaat and they're doing courses, we encourage you to go and seek knowledge. Uh, and that is the first stepping stone to becoming a practicing. And dare I say, you know, we might even launch the foundation one simultaneously, uh, a few after, uh, by yours truly here. Because whilst Imam Adil will be busy doing that, we can do this. So there, there, there could be, you know, opportunities because people will be interested. They will get inspired now in this moment. They might not want to go straight into intermediate. There might be intermediate, might be the jump for them. They're thinking or presuming. So why not do, you know, 30 weeks part-time? This is yeah. part-time, guys. This is not even full-time. You know, if we was to teach this full-time, we could do it within six months. We could teach the entire, course. you know, uh, including higher level as well. And it's not an alim course. It's not an alima course. It's nothing to do with that. It's just a simple course. By the end of it, you would be at a good standard. Hatta if a young man was to, gra was to graduate or was to do this, he, he would be sufficient to become an imam. Yeah. He would have enough knowledge to lead the prayer. Alhamdulillah, aside from the classes and courses we teach here at Al-Hikam, I've just seen a brother put in uh, a, a, a request or a question for full-time courses. We teach the full-time Alamiya course at the Greengate Islamic College in Oldham. And if, if Jawad can put the website up for them as well, we've got new classes starting in September, all online yeah. as well as on-site. And that's full-time? That's full-time, Monday to Friday. So Alhamdulillah, uh, you know, I'm blessed and fortunate that we get to uh, teach through our own idara, we get to teach uh, at the Greengate Islamic College uh, in Oldham, uh, part-time courses, full-time courses, plenty of opportunities out there. One no excuses, do, man. One thing I want to really mention is, uh, and we've had this discussion many a times, is that uh, some people are adamant on it being free. Or why do you not put a fee, fee on money it? Charge. Why do you charge for? Well, the answer is simple, that if something is free, you're not going to value it. You're going to have, again, what we're saying, you're going to have that commitment and passion for a few weeks, maybe a month or so. Yes. But at the end of it, because it's free and you've not paid for it, you've not committed to it, you're not That's going to one follow reason. it through. One Another reason. reason is a lot of time and effort goes yeah. into preparation. Now, when myself, Imam Adil or others are teaching, we're not teaching for a fee. For ultimately, this knowledge is passed on for the sake of Allah Almighty. It's actually time. Time today is money, let's be honest. People, you know, you're, if you're going to, if you're just calling a plumber out to diagnose a problem, a call-out fee, an electrician will charge you just for a call-out fee. You'll pay the money for a call-out fee to fix your electric, to fix your gas. And they'll just diagnose the problem. That's not, that's not even fixing the problem because mm. that will be an, a, a separate you know, charge that comes after. We pay for everything else, yet when it comes to paying for Islamic courses, 
it becomes a burden and think, hey, why you why you charging us this much? This is it, it don't work right. It don't sit well with me. Well, well with this particular cause that we're plugging and, and and taking this opportunity to encourage brothers and sisters to sign up to, and you've got the website, the link uh, in the comments there. It's 180 pounds for 40 weeks. Do your maths. That's four pound fifty for two lessons a week. You know, we two lessons more. being part time. Of, of course, yeah, so this is two all lessons. Wednesday evening, seven thirty to now and a half. So we're talking and, three and, hours. And and Wednesday and Saturday evening, uh, seven thirty till nine as well. Yeah. So if you're looking at an hourly rate, three hours, four fifty divided into three. Yeah. You know how much is it an hour? A, a pound fifty. Well, there you go. You know, and and you spend more money on takeaway a week. And what you're getting in return, what you're seeking and learning, and then progressing, and then you would be examined. You would see your progress. You would pass that. If you haven't, you'd fail. Whatever it may be, the fact that you've been involved, you've studied, you've learned, is part of your. It might be a stepping stone for something bigger and better. We're foundation. This is just basics that we're going to go through. So it's it's encouraging you in order to become a better practicing Muslim that you take this opportunity. You sign up. You study. You learn. You know, if you've already know, you revisit and rev you know you revise. Yeah. And and it's it's only to improve your own state. It's only to become as a parents better Muslim. helping you to obviously educate your children. You know, uh, as a husband helping you to educate your wife. There's so many fawaid and benefits in this. Uh, so you know, this is a part of uh, becoming better practicing Muslims. Uh, we make dua that Allah Almighty grant us all the tawfiq uh, to become students of knowledge. And as as I mentioned, that you know, um, it's important that we we keep keep on top of this and and the struggles that we are facing to become practicing muslims etc the excuses of work children day-to-day -day life you know it's too much i don't know how to incorporate it's simple if you make islam and the deen a priority you will find it becoming easier and a way for you to be get closer to allah almighty ultimately you are on a journey as i am and everyone is we are on a journey in this world we have been sent here for a purpose and objective, a greater purpose and objective if we can find that and then ultimately get through this life. That's it. It's simple. And, and we, as Muslims, we believe in the hereafter. As Muslims, we believe in life after death. We believe in the day of judgment. These are crucial and fundamental beliefs that we all hold. And in order to prepare for those days and moments, that day and those moments, we need to, we need to they say you reap what you sow. If, if, you, if you sow bad deeds, then all you're going to reap is the hellfire. And if you sow good deeds, then inshallah you will reap the, the gardens of paradise. Swahab. And you will see the fruit of that in paradise and you will taste and eat from that. So it's important that we understand that we're on a purpose, we're on a journey. Life is a test. You're going to have struggles, you're going to fall ill, you're going to have challenges. Because Allah Almighty has told us time and time again, you know, that I've created you to test you. Hmm. This is why you've been, you know, Tabarak al-Ladhi biyadihi al-Mulku wa huwa ala kulli shayin kadir. Al-Ladhi khalaqa al-Mawta wal-Hayata liyabluwakum. Ayyukum ahsanu amala. You know, we've created death and life so that he, you know, liyabluwakum. So that he may test you. He may put you through trial to see ayyukum ahsanu amala. Which of you is the best in action? And we need to ask ourselves, how do we become better in action? How will we do this? We have to understand we were sent on this world. We're in a test. This is a trial. Everything around us. Fix your priorities. Fix up and you will see. Start seeking knowledge. Start making the deen the priority. Begin moderate. Bring moderation into your life. 
you know, khairul umuri awsatuha, wa kathalika ja'alnaakum ummata wasata. We've made you the, the nation, the middle nation. You're not extremists. And for this reason, we need to go back to that root. And if we can do, we will then find our purpose. We will then find that we will pass through this life achieving and ultimately seeking Allah Almighty's divine mercy and, and asking for his pleasure in everything that we do. Uh, any, any final words, Imam Adil? We know that today, um, the Ahli Sunnati Wal Jamaat in the UK, and in particular in Watford, lost uh, an individual who was a true Khadim of the Deen, an Ashik of Rasulullah Marhuma Maghfur, Sajid Manzoor, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala Alayhi. We take this opportunity to express our condolences to his family members and we make dua that Allah Almighty raise his darajat in the akhirah, an individual who provided both of us platforms uh, to spread the deen uh, through his Allah uh, Institute. And, you know, he's, he's going to be missed. Though our communications with him over the last several years were as strong as they were during the uh, middle of the dec- last decade but alhamdulillah you know he's a, he was a very genuine kind sincere individual wanted the best for the ahli sunnah um, we make dua that Allah Almighty raise his darajat in the akhirah Ameen. others who are ill as well uh, including Maulana Zahur Chishti Sab Allah grant all those who are ill Shifai Kamil Ajila Nafia this illness COVID-19 is real People are still not taking it seriously. People out there who are struggling in hospitals, in homes. Uh, we uh, make dua for all those who are struggling and encourage brothers and sisters who are watching at this moment in time, please take this uh, illness serious um, uh, and uh, let's, you know, let's work together to get rid of it. Inshallah. The, um, and that's it for tonight, guys. Next episode, inshallah, will be uh, possibly on the 4th or the 5th of February um, we will be discussing most likely sex within Islam an interesting topic where Imam Adil will be no I don't think Le- uh, what don't think what I'll be good for that one why not this is exactly what you want <laughs> don't run away from it now what do I want in the boy you want to talk about you know who the or deviants sex are. In Islam. Yeah, not sex in Islam. Oh man, you filthy Molana. <laughs> oh, Chacha, sorry, I missed no. that. No, I was sects within sectarianism. You, sex you, you within Islam. Very clearly there. Sorry. So My you know that's drifted. that's what I'm. Yeah, your mind would drift. <laughs> um, sex within Islam. You could put it back onto me, Joe. <laughs> you don't need to get him in the shot now. And <laughs> sex within Islam. So we're going to talk about the different. Uh, deviant sex that are out there etc and it will be a good little insight and I'll be making a few clarifications within that as well uh, n- uh, nevertheless so guys tune in for that inshallah that will be the next one it's going to be hot it's going to be good inshallah uh, Imam Adil and we may get another Mawlana on board uh, to discuss uh, with this inshallah then we'll have uh, a discussion and uh, a special episode on death and the grave that's going to be coming up as well uh, we'll have one on health and diet uh, the end of times and we'll conclude this season with the final special guest Jazakumullah uh, for watching guys tune in to the podcast uh, as and when it's advertised and marketed please sign uh, <laughs> sign up please subscribe uh, and at the same time 
share and like the podcast with your families and friends. Uh, let the people benefit, inshallah. And uh, we make dua that Allah continues to show his mercy on all of us. Jazakumullah khair. Inshallah, see you on the next one. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.